Tānadi is the festival of contemporary Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander art. Visit the exhibition at the Art Gallery of South Australia until the 21st of January 2024. Welcome everyone. This is wonderful to see everybody with us this afternoon. Um, it's very exciting for all of us to be here and we're particularly overjoyed to have these uh, wonderful um, artists, arts workers, art centre um, manager, arts centre assistant with us from Maningrida. Um, it's, they have had a massive journey um, that started yesterday and uh, you can see that everybody's pretty exhausted. <laughs> and, it's a, and I know that there's a very, very big week ahead. Um, you'll know that this week is the very exciting Tanandi Festival which is taking place. Um, so, so this is the first of many events um, for, for the artists in the room and uh, for Brooke and Kelly. Uh, my name is Fiona Salmon and I'm the director here of Flinders University Museum of Art and I'm also actually an ex-manager of Manangrida Arts and Culture. So all of us have a close tie to Manangrida and I know that there are many other people in the room with close ties to Manangrida and to um, Arnhem Land more broadly. So it's a big family, which is great. I want to start by acknowledging that we're meeting on the uh, traditional lands of the Ghana people, and I pay my respects to Ghana elders past, present and emerging. Um, I also want to acknowledge our esteemed guests in the front row, particularly Nikki Cumston, who is the artistic director of Tanandi and um, accompanied by an amazing team um, from the Art Gallery of South Australia. So um, great to see you all here. Uh, it's really been an awesome, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's just such a wonderful um, experience working with, with AGSA and the whole Tanandi crew. So terrific to have you all here. So the format for this afternoon is going to be fairly, um, fairly relaxed. And we thought that we would start really by um, letting everybody introduce themselves. We're going to talk a little bit about Manangrida. We're going to talk about maybe some of the um, themes or the spirit figures that we can see in the room. And then um, we also have um, Rachel here with us, who's a member of the Ripple Effect Band. <laughs> So we might even start talking about music as well. So uh, just a bit of a free-ranging conversation this afternoon and we will be welcoming questions from the floor. So we'll have a roving mic. Um, one of the FUMA team will pick up that extra microphone and um, have that on hand. So we'll, we'll um, accept questions at any time. So just raise your hand if you, if you have a question as we're, as we're going along. So maybe... Maybe, Rachel, because uh, <laughs> you, you just told me before that you love talking. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to start or shall we make Brooke start? Brooke start, okay. So, um, yeah, just introduce yourself and tell us what you do in Manangrida. Hi, everyone. Um, so, my name is Brooke Ainsgrove. I'm the manager at Manangrida Arts and Culture. I've been living there for the last um, four years, which have been a very interesting time to be in a remote community. It's, um, yeah, 
been incredible. Um, I originally came up from Melbourne where I studied um, at Melbourne University doing my Masters of Art Curatorship. Um, and it wasn't until my last year of that Masters degree that I actually learnt about Aboriginal art in Australia, which is pretty surprising. Um, and we did a fieldwork um, subject where we visited art centres in um, around Alice Springs and then up to Darwin and Gumbalanya. And I just remember thinking, wow, how is this something I've never heard about before or never seen? This is exactly where I want to be. So it's been incredible to um, live and work in Maningrida, um, getting to know the community. It's incredibly diverse. Um, if you don't already know, there is over 12 different unique language groups that um, all reside within the community of Maningrida. So um, even just as we're traveling as well, there's probably about three different languages that are being spoken amongst all our travelers here, um, communicating with each other. But um, all right, I might hand over to Rachel now to introduce herself, <laughs> who's been talking all trip. <laughs> Hello, my name is Rachel, and I'd like to share a um, few things that I've been in Sydney, and I used to perform in my music. I stayed there for one week, then I traveled into Melbourne, and we split. We had last performing in Boiling Club, and there were lots of people dancing, enjoying themselves. And then, and also I work at the Meningrid Arts Center. I help with Brooke um, to put some, stamp it and then take it over to Allison to take some photo. Thank you. My name is Alison Cooper, and, I'm, and I work at the Minibir Art and Culture, and I'm a senior worker, and mostly I do photography. As you can see, these artworks hanging, I took some of photos, yeah. So I'm still learning to do more works and take photos again. Wanted to ask because I know um, we spent a lot of time in the in the studio together taking photos, and I've got to say, um, Alison is an amazing photographer. But it's not only just the photos, right? Like, what happens to the photos once you've taken them? What happens to them? I load them in Sam, so it's in the systems. Yeah, some are in websites, mm -hmm. yeah. and. Sometimes I do few readings. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm going to pass over to Kelly. Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Kelly. I'm the assistant manager at uh, Manangrida Arts and Culture. And I've been lucky enough to work there for about a year now um, alongside this amazing crew. Um, previously, had been uh, managing Walkajara Art down at in. Um, in Uluru, so Mordajulu Communities Art Centre. So yeah, it's very different being up in, in Maningrida, but um, yeah, such a privilege to be working with such amazing artists and such a wonderful community of people. 
Yeah, so very happy to be here. Yeah, I'll hand over to... You've got, you got yours ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Raylene. So I work at Papara Women's Center. So we do liner printing and also screen printing at Women's Center. Hello, my name is Belinda Kernan and I work at the Papara Women's Center. Thank you. So I, I think, yeah, yeah. So, we, um, so we've heard about Manangrida Arts and Culture. So in, at, that is the art centre that has been um, in the community, formally established in 1973. Um, but actually the forerunner, there was a forerunner of that um, and so there was art and craft being sold from Manangrida as early as 1963. So um, when you pick up our beautiful catalogue this evening, you can... Um, read about that. There's a fabulous essay um, by the esteemed John Altman who's in the room um, that traces a bit of that history. So, so when we actually were talking about the exhibition, so the, the exhibition has been in kind of in the making for about 12 months and um, I met up with Brooke in Darwin and I realised that oh, 2023, it must, be, it must be the 50th anniversary what are we going to do about that? So I, I collared Brooke in, <laughs> in Darwin and said, let's make a plan. And then, of course, we were promoting it as a 50th anniversary and John Altman reminded us, actually, it's probably a 60th anniversary. So in any event, it's an anniversary show <laughs> of, of one form or another. Um, but also we've just heard about Bapara Women's Centre. So in fact... It's not just the art centre in Manangrida. There's also, um, as sort of a centre of art making, there is also this amazing women's centre that has been established, um, I'm not sure, not quite as long as the art centre, um, 30 years with the art centre. So um, maybe we can hear a bit more about what happens in Bapara. We'd like to talk about that. So at Women's Centre we do line printing and also we help them people to come over and watch us how to work out do screen print and also we go down collect some pandanas for Deborah and we saw Janet doing all them line printing at Papara. And is there a big exhibition at the moment in Darwin? Was there a big Bapara exhibition? I'm thinking um, at Charles Darwin University, um, so our uh, sister university up the road, so to speak. Um, we've had parallel man and greeter shows. So um, the, um, yeah, a big, beautiful exhibition of, which is focused on the fabrics and also um, the printing traditions um, from, from the region. So amazing work coming out of Manangrida um, from both Bapara and, and the Art Centre. I think, um, as I mentioned before, I um, was in Manangrida 20 years ago and um, so Brooke and I had a, had a chat about a show and originally we were sort of talking about a, um, just a general kind of, um, <laughs> just a, a general look at Manangrida and including 
all sorts of works, right? But then we changed our minds. Um, yeah, that's right. Because we also um, in Manangrita have the Jomi Museum, which is probably the largest community-owned and controlled museums in Australia, which has over a thousand objects um, that started back in the 1980s. So a lot of um, artists today, when they do, they'll come into the museum, they'll see some of those old paintings and that sort of re-inspires what we see today. Um, so we were looking a bit at like, you know, that old and new parallel, but um, I think when Fiona did eventually come up to Manangrida, what took her by surprise um, from that 20, you know, over that 20 year, <laughs> the 20 year hiatus was how prolific um, female artists have become. So when Fiona um, was working at the Art Centre, there would have been, you know, Kay Linjuwonga and Dorothy Galaledba, some of the fir those first women who um, were doing bark painting in their own right. Before that, it was predominantly men um, and who would just have women assisting. Um, and over the years, um, it's really turned the tables. Um, I think I mentioned to Fiona that we have last financial year, probably about two thirds of our artists were all female that was sold through the art centre. So um, yeah, it's been incredible <laughs> to see um, from my own feminist sort of perspective as well. Um, and also I think, you know, for women who are primarily like, you know, raising generations as well, um, that sort of need to make art to um, provide income to support families has been, you know, a real driver as well. Um, yeah, yes, please. Um, irrespective of gender, the number of artists between when you were there and now, has that changed at all? So that's, that's interesting. So, Brooke, you told me the other day that there were um, how many on the books at the moment? We have um, about 1,300 artists on our database. Um, that's including some that have passed away over the years. Um, but yeah, As it's a full record. And if I think the population of Manangrida probably sits about 3,000. It go, you know, fluctuates here and there, but um, I think for most people, everyone will have artists within their family. It's, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, really and I think, I think for, uh, in, um, John, you might be able to correct me here, but I think it was about 700 or so on the books when we were, we were working. Um, the, the system for managing the kind of the stock these days is a lot more sophisticated than when it was 20 years ago. And I had to, um, yes, I was reminded that when we were, uh, that was kind of just as internet was coming on. So it's quite different now that the engagement sort of externally. Um, we even had fax machines. So we would wait for the fax to come through. It was a different time. Um, so yeah, tell us a bit more about the internet. Well, it doesn't <laughs> work all the time. Um, it's still... <laughs> that's been um, actually in the last week a bit of a struggle at the Art Centre. Um, the Telstra goes down. But, yeah, um, Alison uses that a lot in her work because um, when she takes the photographs, does all the photoshopping, uploads into our SAM database. 
And then how many sales do you think are online then now, like when you're, when you're um, selling? Um, definitely over the last couple of years during COVID, um, we were pretty amazed at how many people were able to, you know, I think as you can look around this exhibition and see the work, all our, unlike um, acrylic paintings on canvas, each work's a little bit sculptural in a way, even though it's, you know, a two-dimensional bark painting. Um, but, yeah, we our sales for online went up hu hu um, really huge. So yeah, we've invested quite a lot into our photo studio and um, Alison does an incredible job of selling, you know, thousands of dollars worth of art just through... Um, that photography. Yeah. That's great. That's really good. Um, so yeah, so in the in the exhibition, um, as Brooke said, we've focused on on women, and um, we wanted to, I suppose, really reflect on the moment now. As I said, it's a bit of an anniversary show, and kind of get a um, bit of a snapshot of where where things are at at this particular time. And we've grouped the show um, kind of according to language groups. So Brooke mentioned earlier there are at least 12 um, languages spoken in the Maningrida region. And, um, you know, you can some, when you look around, you can kind of see the similarities among the different kind of language, language groups. Um, we, f we find that the, the people speaking the same ling languages are, are living on, um, you know, their clan lands, um, often in small uh, communities. Um, in, in outstations, so some of you might have heard about um, outstations, so the homelands, um, so the small like satellite um, communities um, around the um, larger township of Maningrida itself. Um, so I suppose there are also a number, so there's a number of clan designs that we can see in the space and we can also see um, a number of spirit figures and there's a very important spirit figure um, in Maningrida called the Jomi um, spirit. So I'm just wondering if someone would like to talk about Jomi. Mm -hmm. Rachel? Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, well, maybe I'll yeah, okay. tell a little bit about Jomi. All right, um, <coughs> so the name Mane Jangarida, um, which translates in Gunabiji language, um, or Japan language, to the place where the dreaming chain shape refers to a spring that um, is right next to where the barge ramp is in Maningrida. It's where, um, yeah, fresh water bubbles up from the cliff and goes into the salt water there. There's a beautiful mangrove sort of swamp, um, and that's, refers to the place where the dreaming chain shape where um, the Jomi um, mermaid spirit lives. So she's an incredibly sacred um, totem for the Dukaji clan who are the landowners. Um, and I think that's why everyone's just not really wanting to discuss her, but that's fine. Um, and <coughs> so she's also associated with um, fertility in the area. So, um, you know, she is said to, you know, for all women who have children that she's been giving, gave them those babies. So is it, if, if, you, if a woman's falling asleep and she hears a baby crying, that's, she'll be pregnant. 
Um, and don't go walking into that spring because um, I think there's a bit of a problem at the school at the moment. Too many teachers have... <laughs> there's there's that, that, that Jommy, uh, that's what um, old Joy, who's one of the TOs for Man and Greta, was saying that, yeah, her, that Jommy has been swimming up in the water pipes in Man and Greta. There's <laughs> too many Ballanders getting pregnant at the moment. <laughs> So we are um, in the exhibition just over the brown and white figure on the right there. That's um, a depiction of Jommy. So the, she's um, a sort of mermaid type with a fish tail or sometimes the tail of like um, the sawfish um, with long, long hair. So um, and next, next door is to her as well. The Black by Sonia um, Namanyuk. She that is a Yalkyalk, which is a freshwater mermaid that um, belongs to Guningu people that lives in the freshwater um, streams and billabongs as well. Mm. Often also associated with fertility, but also can be quite menacing and you know naughty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So lots of naughty spirits actually. So there's also Mimi spirits. In the in the in the room, um, some of you might um, have um, heard about the Mimi spirits. Um, very um, tall and skinny, um, living in the rock country in the crevices um, up on the um, escarpment, the Arnhem Land Plateau, and um, so skinny that yes, that they can slip away, but also they have to be careful with the high wind because their wind, their necks might break. Um, so yeah, I, I think a, a bit of a warning um, for for people wandering around in that rock country um, to be careful. Um, and similarly, I'm looking straight ahead at um, the Wangara spirits, um, beautiful um, Wangara made by Christelle Nala. Um, Christelle has learned um, to, to the carving and um, and also the painting, the designs. Um, from sitting down with her grandmother, Dorothy Gulaledba. So Dorothy we mentioned before as one of the earliest um, women in Manangrida to be painting in her own right. She learned to paint um, from her la late husband, Les Mirakuria, and then also from her um, father, the, the very famous artist, England Bangala. So um, when we were doing the research um, for the film, uh, for the for the show, it was fabulous because we had a lot of opportunity to sit down with these young artists um, and talk to them, obviously about their work and and where they were drawing inspiration from. And um, one of the things that actually surprised me, but really it shouldn't have, was when. Um, Christelle was saying, well, actually, she, she um, apart from talking to her grandmother, she uses the internet a lot to look up England's work, her grandfather's work, which is fabulous because uh, um, England, of course, was very famous and his work is all over the internet. And, and without that um, connectivity um, or, that, or that access, a lot of these stories um, wouldn't, wouldn't be there or as immediate in the community. So... Um, that was amazing, and the and the internet connection at Angabat Biri was pretty good. So <laughs> maybe better than at Manangrida. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also on that note of um, you know, a lot of the younger artists have been taught you know um, from their 
fathers or mothers or grandfathers or grandmothers. Um, we've got one little painting over there with the circles. That's by Gwenda Bema, um, which we have an old lawcorn. So these, they're tall, um, hollow, stringy bark trees that have been painted, originally associated with... Um, they would be used for the final burial of um, deceased people, but we have one that's painted in that design by her grandfather, Michael Gudjawala, who passed away quite a while ago. Um, and when she was in the Jomi Museum, would take some photos as well, just on her little phone, and use that as reference to um, start painting again. So, yeah, it's incredible to also have that resource of having a community collection in, in Maningrida to for you know the future generations to be inspired by as well. And maybe um, we should mention we are sitting in the Guningu heartland on on this side behind us. Um, uh, some of you might know uh, John Marwinjul's um, uh, work. John John is probably the most celebrated um, artist from Maningrida and he was the subject of a fabulous um, retrospective that Nikki um, was um, and Lisa uh, was uh, were closely involved with um, a number of years ago. I think it was 2019. And John John has definitely been um, an inspiration from many of the artists that you can see. Um, behind us, um, we've mentioned already um, Dorothy Galaletba, but the other the other uh, um, woman who was painting early was Kay Linjuwanga, and her work is in the centre of that little cluster there. And Kay um, is John Marwinjul's wife, and she, as as was the case for many um, for many of the women, actually, they the men would mark out the designs, and uh, and women would do the radic, the cross hatching infill. Um, and it was in, uh, while I was in Maningrida that um, um, Kay said quite candidly, yes, I do all the work on John's barks. <laughs> and I said, well, I think you need to bring in the barks under your name. And um, a bit like you, Brooke, the feminist in me was all about, yes, putting the women front and centre. Um, and so, yes, so that was really encouraged and then uh, subsequently, actually, I think all of the art centre managers have been women and, and maybe that's part of the reason why there's been such a, such a growth in the young women who are painting. So we can see, see in these works uh, some of the themes that um, Mawanjul painted, so the Marayan ceremony, um, that's um, Anna Wurkic's, the late... Anna, Anna Wurkic's work right on the very end um, in that very fine kind of ethereal cross-hatching that John Marwinjul became very famous for. And then further down, further down the walls behind us, we have other stories from other parts of, from different clan estates. Um, I think one of the other things that struck me, Brooke, when I came up again, or as I've been watching, um, the um, you know Maningrida over Maningrida many years is the is that shift um, from really figurative work to what appears as as kind of abstract um, design. So as well as in the Marayin, we can also see it in um, what is the Wakwak story down at the end. I think um, characterised by those diamond shapes. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's um, a bit of a shame. We also had one of the artists, Deborah Woodkitch, who was meant to be travelling with us as well. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it. But um, that's actually one of her beautiful paintings there. But she also um, <coughs> paints the design, Wak Wak, which, yeah, over towards that sort of area that where all that diamond-shaped rock has been painted. Um, that revert, refers to the um, Black Crow ancestor. Um, there's a creek in Gurudu, mm -hmm. is that right? Um, where the stone where this ancestor is um, sort of sits. And so it's, I think, said you can hear it hooting at night, um, that black crow ancestor. But that's sort of become, I think, one of the most prolific um, <laughs> depictions we get in the art centre now is wak wak. Yeah, so it's incredible. Um, but you know, also um, for you know all these Guningu artists, even though they are depicting the same story, um, the rock depiction and how it's been the um, laid out has you know there is so such diversity depending on who taught them. And um, I think one of the most common sayings I get in the art centre at the moment is just like. I've got different style, yeah. so, <laughs> so w while it's all that same ancestral story, there's um, every artist likes to you know carve their own sort of you know um, way you know carve it out themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a no. Who did you learn? I've learned from my grandma, but she passed away. But I saw uh, how she used to make. And then when she passed away, I started to do the weavings. Yeah. And can you tell us what, what, what are you weaving with? What is that? Um, I do with the pendants. I dye colours, yeah, but it's the natural colour, dyed colour, mm -hmm. yeah. And where does that come from, the colour? Uh, it comes from the woods, uh, yeah. So a uh, lot of work to go and get the, uh, the colour? Yeah. yeah. It's really a lot of hard work to do, mm -hmm. do the cooking, dye the colour, put it in the sun, sun to dry, mm -hmm. and start to do the weavings. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, that is sometimes, you know, it's not understood by people in the, in sort of, in the wider world, how much work actually goes into the weavings, right? So we, we look at the bark painting and we go, oh, amazing, so much work, but let me tell you, the uh, weaving, got to get in the in the in the creeks get the pandanus harvest it all it's spiky yes yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> mosquitoes up. Them up. yeah strip them off yeah it's a big job and that's just that's just the pandanus with the color it's a lot of work digging pounding boiling drying yeah, 
It's a big job. Maybe while we're on the subject of weaving, there's, you would have noticed that quite a stunning work on the left there. Um, thank you, Art Gallery of South Australia, for loaning that work to us um, for this show. Um, that is a work by um, Lena Yarankura, who would be the um, third very senior artist in the room. Lena learned to pa paint on bark um, uh, with the support of her husband, um, who has since passed away. Um, so she was a painter, um, but then really um, turned her hand to the weaving. She trained as a making the baskets, but then um, famously one year started making three-dimensional yalk yalk figures. She won the 1994, I think it was 1994, when she won the Telstra Art Award with her three-dimensional sculptures and really since then has worked um, in fibre almost predominantly. That particular work, um, we've talked a little bit about yauk yauk, so mermaid figures, and so we've got the four mermaids in that, in the dial, and the Waiata protector spirit in the middle, a quite an extraordinary work, I've got to say. Um, so, so uh, Lena, she is Gune, um, but she's also um, a Rembaranga speaker. So a lot of the uh, artists are multilingual, speak three, four languages, not a problem. Um, and the Rembaranga mob have always had a reputation for being a little bit eccentric with their practices. Um, the late Brian Yinawanga is, a, is another artist who really um, took his work in uh, very original directions. Um, so yes, Lena, as you can see, has carved out quite a quite a um, place for herself in in the whole um, traditions of weaving as well. Lena's family, um, Philomena Kelly, she's um, represented on the wall at the end there. Philomena is painting. Uh, her, she's got the two barks there, and they are um, representations of Namargon. Namargon is the lightning spirit, um, represented by the axe that you can see um, in the in the uh, well, actually in both works. But the word Namargon is also uh, the name of a particular grasshopper that comes out in that build-up time when those lightning storms occur. So the word has that double meaning. And when Namargon is represented in the, in the more uh, as that figure, as that squatting figure, he actually looks like a, a grasshopper. So there's a lot of story that's embedded in those, um, in those symbols, if you like. Maybe we'll see if there's any questions. Got a very attentive audience here. <laughs> Traditionally, with the bark paintings, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to get a sense of how long ago the the, cult, the tradition started and how bark paintings were used traditionally before colonisation. Does that make sense? <laughs> so it's a good question because, in fact, bark painting is a relatively recent um, practice um, in Arnhem Land. Um, uh, barks were harvested from trees and um, used as wet weather shelters um, and that was common practice um, and uh, on the insides of the shelters um, 
senior senior artists would paint pictures to tell stories um, and uh, you know entertain the kids and teach teach uh, about the environment um, and then the bark so the barks were, were taken from the trees when the anthropologists started coming to Arnhem Land in the um, early 20th century um, they uh, encouraged artists to scale the barks down so that they could then take them with them down south into their collections. So really it's an early 20th century development. Um, and then the barks, and I think originally this, the scale was really quite small. You know, people needed to get the barks in and out of the community. And certainly, um, I think some of those early, you know, the Baldwin Spencer collection, for example, many of the bucks are quite small. But at when the um, when there was sort of a barge going in and out of Manangrida and later aeroplanes, things scaled up. So um, these are actually comparatively very small for the kinds of the sort of the scale, for example, that John Marmonjo was painting um, sort of in the later part of his career. Lisa, would you like to add anything else? <laughs> I think the other thing, um, you know, so the designs that we see, so a lot of the, um, you know, very secular kind of stories would have been painted on the rock. So for the for the Guningu and the Rembaranga who live live down in that rock country, you know, those those designs you can find in the in the rock art. So particularly depictions of um, meat, so animals that were hunted, and often in that x-ray style where you can see the, the innards of the, of the animals. Um, whereas the more, some of the other designs that you can see might have been sort of more abstract in a way, painted on the body perhaps for ceremony, yeah. It's um, 5.48, um, I think we've done well. So help me um, in thanking our visitors. It is really terrific to have you all here. Tarnity is presented by the Art Gallery of South Australia with principal partner BHP and support from the Government of South Australia. The exhibition is on until the 21st of January 2024. Learn more online at agsa.sa.gov.au.